This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. The Ferris State Bulldogs have upset the nation's number two ranked team. Wide open! Taylor is going to take this one to the house! Touchdown Bulldogs! Season 4, episode 46 of the MVSP. Welcome, everybody. What a show we have for you on deck. Ferris State Sports is in the postseason. Can't wait to talk to you about that with basketball, hockey, track, softball, everybody else that's playing. Got a huge slate up for you guys today, as well as some bracketology to close it out. But, Brandon, we're fresh off of spring break. How are we feeling? Oh, man, we're feeling great. Very relaxing spring break for myself. Got to record a couple episodes for the fans out there. Uh, Shredded the slopes for final time pretty much of the winter as now it actually, we have like literally like five inches of snow dumping outside. So it was supposed to be the the last hurrah on the slopes, but now apparently we might get a second go at it this weekend. I don't know. So, but that was fun. Uh, Doesn't sound like it was as fun as your journey down south there, Joe. Yeah, I went to, I made the trip down the whiskey trail, hit a lot of distilleries down in Louisville, Gatlinburg, Nashville, and then made my way back up. So dude, it was a blast. It was a lot warmer. Not crazy. I mean, it was like 50, 60, but to me, that's like 80, 90 degrees. I was rocking shorts on a few of the tours and some of the people were looking at me like I was like a chicken with my head cut off. Basically, they were all in like coats and stuff, but it wasn't half bad. I mean, it was probably one of my best spring breaks that I've ever had. And Thanks for holding down the fort, Brandon. Hey, absolutely. We're glad to make content for you guys. Like we said, loaded show today, Fair State Sports Review, as well as a deep dive into March Madness. Cannot wait for that. And bracketology. It's the best time of year in my mind. So, But without further ado, before we get into the Fair State Sports Report, just wanted to remind you guys, make sure you subscribe on all the podcast platforms on yeah, Spotify. What are you doing if you're not subscribed yet? Yeah, Apple Podcasts. I mean, if you need some content, I mean, I just looked up the total number, Joe. Get ready to have your mind blown. You know how many episodes we've done? 273. Okay, that one was actually higher than expected. 208 is their actual number. Really? But we already hit the 200 mark. And we didn't even celebrate. And Dang. that's that's the unfortunate thing, I guess. We'll now, celebrate the 50 mark, I guess. Yeah, we'll have to celebrate the 250 mark or something. But I guess, hey, applause to ourselves for hitting 200 episodes. And we totally missed it. But that's pretty cool. And you guys are the best. But uh, also, don't, leave, don't forget to leave us a review and a rating on those platforms as well. We take the feedback. I know we've gotten some great ones. I know there's one on Apple Podcasts that was uh, anonymously written by um, someone gave us five stars. And we took everything that they said yeah. and we made this show better. So uh, make sure that you do that as well. And subscribe on WBRN if you're a radio listener on the weekends. Hey, we're in the big time airwaves, y'all. And we get to hear all the the greatest in fair state sports on the weekend, three o'clock on WBRN, as well as the West Michigan sports show from yours truly uh, covering the local sports. You got all the sports from this area and beyond in the span of only an hour of airtime. I got it. We got it all for wow, you, man. Don't worry about it. Just get the to get your dial, get it to 1077 or 96.5 coming soon. And you'll be all set for the yeah, whole just drive around a little bit. And yeah. Just, er, er, a little, little road go trip. Get some, go get some food from like McDonald's or something and just take a little drive around the greater big rapids area. Yeah. Get a couple of McChickens, you know, just take the laugh around the town, go by the down of the river. Or go to Taco you know? Bell and get the online. You can get the quesarito again. Oh, that is a good point. But anyway, this food's making me hungry and I want to eat lunch. So let's get right into it here. Fair stage sports review. We'll start on the hardwood March Madness for D2. Uh, Certainly a great time of year for our program, truly uh, making another successful tournament run. Uh, Fortunately came to an end, I think a little bit more uh, shorter than we would have liked that run to be. Uh, I mean, we had a good, really good first round game against Ashland. Ashland's a really good team. They're one of the hottest teams coming into this tournament. Uh, knocked them off 71 to 70. Um, it was, should have been a four point game, but a full court heave at the very end of the game um, by one of the Eagles ended up making it only a one point game. So it wasn't necessarily as close down the stretch as it appeared in the box score. But uh, UMSA was a really good team. This was a team that when we looked at the draw, I know I was a little bit uh, skeptical um, as far as how good they really were coming into this tournament because they were a team that only had one, I believe. Uh, we had more wins than them coming in, right? We had 24 wins opposed to their 23. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were a team that had just came off of a huge GLVC uh, tournament run where they ended up falling to McKendry, who is still going. They beat Northern Michigan, and now they're in the, the eight seed championship as an eight seed, and they'll take on Umsel. That's going to be a heck of a rematch um, in that ball game. But uh, I think the big 
biggest thing here was we really found our groove, especially early on parts and how really kind of even in the second half portion of the first half, we were really finding our groove. We were getting a lot of good open shots. And um, the second half, it was rolling a little bit. Uh, then it, the game got a little bit. I don't want to necessarily say it got a little bit more um, slowed down as far as pace is concerned, but. I think there were some things that we adjusted to. Um, the game started to get a little bit less physical as opposed to more foul calls on those physical uh, portions of possessions. And I think that caught us a little off guard because we were really getting that stride in the first half of playing more physical and beating them down on the block because they're a really good shooting team. Uh, and that when we kind of got eliminated down on the block, then they started the shooting the lights out. And that's how they kind of stretched the lead there down the stretch in the second half of the ball game. But uh, I thought there was really a lot of good things. But uh, I mean, the Tritons are a really good team. They're a really good club that can shoot the rock and that's what they did in the second half and unfortunately just didn't have an answer for it. Yeah, and I think it was, who was it? I think it was uh, one of their players, one of their main scores got like four fouls like right at the start yeah. of this of the second half so that was like a pretty solid spot for us because we were up I think what 45 to 43 at that point we were kind of playing pretty solid the ball was getting a little bit errant on both sides even and you got to a point then where I mean there was one where Vayas clean block got called for a foul then Reese Hazleton gets called for a foul the next possession and then all of a sudden where I think it's like five fouls compared to their one that changes up the game plan completely and then you're looking at a spot where some of our guys might be in foul trouble where you gotta kind of maybe clean it up a little bit the rest were foul happy on pretty much everybody yeah the whole, and that's like you said it was kind of slowing down like that's the main thing you can't really have a lot of momentum when they're literally calling everything even if you breathe on the guy and there was even even situations where it just seemed like they were just getting kind of out of hand with it but still that, in those moments you kind of got to really start to figure out like how to be able to combat that and be able to play it pretty solidly but like you said they were a team that could really shoot the ball well I mean 12 for 23 I mean that's gonna be yeah if you can't slow that down quick I mean you might say it's quantity over quality but if you're putting away 12 threes a game it's gonna be tough to lose that one and I mean when you're only putting away four on our side that's really tough uh, to be able to really you know get some momentum going when you just got to kind of feed it down low and try to beat the brakes off them. But if you can't really slow down their three attack, as well as them really picking it up inside the paint and inside the three point line, it's going to be a tough show of it. I mean, at the end of the day, it was a tough loss. Like you said, kind of wish we were able to get this one back. I think if we played them again, we would be able to beat them. But that's March, man. You get one shot. And if you don't play well in one game, you're out of there. That's unfortunate reality when it comes to March Madness. But uh, yeah, you definitely saw um, our shooting was, we had a lot of good open looks and early on in the game, they were starting to fall and then we started to go cold and uh, we really couldn't find an answer, right? Because when you, we're not, oh, this team doesn't shoot very well, we find that way inside, right? We get physical, we get down on the block, we rip down some rebounds, uh, get some putbacks, really work in the paint. And that was kind of working against us there in that second half. Um, when the game really was starting to get called more tighter than it was in the first half. But uh, I thought you still saw um, a really good resiliency. I mean, we continued to fight and we continue to fight. Uh, it ended up stretching out, I think, in the last couple of minutes there. Um, but other than that, I mean, there was a lot of opportunities where the Tritons were making a run. They're starting to hit some shots. I mean, especially when you saw the way that uh, Bowen Sanquist played. I mean, he was pretty much lights out in the second half. I think he finished five of eight from three, um, as well as Donovan Vickers really played a great game off the bench. I think he finishes their leading score with 20. Um, but I think when you look at it really across the board for how we play offensively. I thought we had some really good looks. I thought Vayas had a really good game. I thought he played fantastic. He had 12 points. He didn't necessarily get as many rebounds, but uh, a lot of the misses were long and especially for how the Tritons play. They like to get out and they like to get quick shots up like we do. So they had a lot of chances um, that we would put up very early uh, in the shot clock, which our guards would pull down and they would stretch the floor. Um, I mean, we definitely did one thing really well, I think, in this game too, Joe, was free throws. We were great. 20 of 23, that is a really good percentage. 87 for the math majors out there for getting your calculator out. I mean, when you look at that, being able to score on those free opportunities, that was huge for us. I mean, every time we went to the line, we were in a position where it was like, yeah, now we're going to get two points. Let's get back in this thing. Um, it just wish we would have, you know, knocked him down from the field at that same efficiency as we did from the line. Yeah, that would have been a big game changer. I think too, I mean, you look at, I feel like our last four or five games of the season, we struggled with our three point shooting ability. Yeah. Cool down a little we bit. We really had to kind of pick it up and like in really going down low and relying on Reese and Delapo and, and Vegas because I mean, if you look at Purdue Northwest, I don't, not the greatest shooting performance from us, at least in the first half, we were able to pick it up in the second, but Northern did not play very well from the three. I mean, Ashland, I don't think we played really too well. If I remember the box score well, but even so we slowed down 
really fast with our three with our three point ability, which has kind of been something that we've been priding ourselves on, especially with guys who we have. I mean, Solomon's been able to fill it up. Amari's able to kind of surprise people. And then you got obviously the classics with Ethan and Ben to be able to come off the bench and play really well and be able to create a spark like that. But when you don't really have that, especially in a in a game where you're in March and you're not being able to really get some quick points, like really fast, be able to match those and get a little bit of momentum going, it's going to be tough, man. Yeah, absolutely. The difference really, because you looked at the uh, the Ashland and the Missouri-St. Louis games all together. And I mean, I'm looking at them straight in comparison, right? We shot 16, or not, excuse me, 39.3 from the field. Omsel, 39.3 from the field. The exact same number. Ashland, 28 from three. Missouri, 26 from three. 77 from the line. We actually improved to 87 uh, against Umsel. The biggest difference was, and obviously Ashland played a lot more physical, so their, the rebounding was definitely a different kind of a margin, but it was uh, 43 rebounds opposed to this last game, which was a lot faster, a lot quicker, 33 rebounds. Um, but, I mean, we turned the ball over a couple extra times. We committed a couple more fouls. Uh, but, I mean, I think the biggest thing was, I mean, we really did a great job defensively against Ashland. I'm not saying necessarily it wasn't the same against Umsel. I think there was at times when we were playing lockdown defense, but then when they would end up getting, especially some of those high ball screens where they were able to get through, they would go towards the wing and they'd get it back inside. Uh, they got a couple easy buckets there, especially in the second half where they a uh, little miscommunication on the screen from the guards going over, going under, and then ended up getting a slip through for an easy layup. But mm-hmm. uh, I think that really came down to it. But defensively against Ashland, I mean, we held um, them to 47.3 and 26 from three. And obviously Umsel shot the basketball much better there. A better shooting team than Ashland is, and that's why they're a higher seed. But uh, I think still, I mean, you mentioned Amari Lee's name. That was one that definitely deserves credit for um, some great play as well. Uh, I mean, he really contributed off the bench. And if I remember correctly, he was our leading scorer in that game. Yeah, he had 15 um, to Solo's 13. And Solo did really... Uh, I think he definitely had tried to get a lot of his shots going. They weren't falling, um, which is a tough night for him, especially for the, really the run that he's had up to that point um, to go cold was really an, an unfortunate timing of game. That's really for what we were all together for the best shooting team. Uh, one of the best shooting teams in all division two just went cold at the wrong time. And you got to give them so credit. They really uh, created some, some chaos there, but our defense really thought we played well as well from the press. That was something that I noticed. Uh, we were able to force some turnovers on them. So just couldn't knock down some of those shots to really, really get out and run and make that uh, make us the most momentumous team that we can really show that we can beat anybody with some of those momentum swings we can create. So it's just one of those things when March, you just got to, you got to outplay until you're outplayed. And unfortunately we just got outplayed with the way that we played uh, on Sunday and unfortunately second round exit, but still for what this team really from after last year and after a couple of years before this was kind of graded as a down year team, but still second round, almost yeah. a regional finalist. And I 24 mean, wins. I mean, that's, to be able to have that as your down year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, how good of a program have you been able to build in you brought? Come on. That's wild. Uh, that's good stuff there from them. Some final box scores. Uh, Mari with 15 solo with 13 from that game. Uh, as well as I believe he had, uh, was it 30? He had in that Ashen game, um, which was <laughs> incredible to see. I mean, he was in takeover mode and he was not missing. He finished nine of 16 four thirty Exactly. Uh, Delapo had 11 in that game, um, as well. Uh, but I think you saw, especially uh, rebounding. I mean, Michael's done a great job this year. He was leading us with seven. Uh, Amari, as well as Delapo, had three um, assists leading the team, as well as four steals from Solo, three from Michael. Um, and I believe a lot of, I think we finished with six blocks too, which is one of the higher marks that we've had all year. So uh, great effort, great season from Coach Brockma's squad. And they did a really good job uh, of really staying true to the grit and the Bulldog mentality. And I mean, they fought all the way to the end. They were an underdog. They were, I mean, you look at the seating, they were supposed to lose round one and they made it almost all the way to the regional final. So you got to give them uh, credit for all that they did this year. Great campaign. Can't wait to see what they do next year. Yeah, absolutely. And this team is going to be one that's going to be pretty scary for next year as well because you still got a lot of returners. But now skating to where the puck's going to be, heading on over to ice hockey. You know, give a little I shout love out to sports that. careers. I there. love it. little shout out for sports careers. Hockey season is now over, almost making it to the CCHA final, losing to Minnesota State 7-2. But before that, getting a big OT win, uh, two OT wins against Bowling Green and Vance. I mean, this team really showed out, I feel like, at the end, I mean, in the tournament, I mean, we were what five losses in a row. A lot of people said Bowling Green was just going to roll us over, but I mean, when the when it's when it's on the line and we're traveling, I feel like we're a really really solid team. I mean, it's 
tough one, especially when we lose to Minnesota State like that. But it's been a pretty solid end of the season so far, especially with Minnesota State. You look at them, they've been able to really, really play really solidly. I think this is probably, especially with the way that this tournament has shown out, this is probably the easiest route that they've had in the past couple of years. But even so, I mean, we jumped out to an early lead at the start. But, I mean, as we know with Minnesota State, if you get one goal and don't slow them down, and it's going to be really tough sledding to go in the rest of the game. They're one of the best programs that we've seen in the country for the last how many years, right? Minnesota State's a class of a club, and they are fantastic um, when it comes to the game of ice hockey. But uh, I think when you look at the um, the score line, obviously everybody out there is seeing 7-2, 7-2. They got absolutely demolished. No, they did not. This game was a lot closer than the score line. And I know where you know, I know what you're exactly probably thinking. Oh my gosh, these guys, they're trying to hype up hockey that they played better. And that the score is like, that, that's what they did. If you watch the game, you know what I'm talking about. I watched the entirety from the first puck drop to the final third period buzzer. Like I watched the whole game and I can tell you, and I'll even give you the stat line to prove it. The, the fifth goal that Minnesota state scored was, I believe at 12 minutes in the third period. So we played 52 minutes of hockey where we were in striking distance the entire time. And we are the team that scored first, right? Connor McGarth right out of the shoot, able to score right in front of the net. Uh, and I thought really, when you saw that you were like, Oh my gosh, here we go. Let's get to work, right? This was the the get the first goal. That was the biggest thing that the broadcasters were saying in that pregame was who's gonna score first? Who's gonna score first? Who's gonna get the momentum? And we did. And you gotta give credit, Minnesota State. They got a little bit of a a little bit of a cheap penalty call and they were able to score on the power play. And that got them back in it with Celia um to get that two one um really that two one lead there after Fitzgerald ended up scoring an equalizer not too long later. But uh then Brad Merrick scores on the power play. Unfortunately, Minnesota State um, got themselves uh, up 4-1 by that point, and then we were down 4-2, but it never felt like we were out of it when we were down 4-2. It really never felt like I was. we were panicking or anything like that because we were getting a lot of good chances, right? I thought really like you saw Merrick and McGrath's line. Obviously, those guys are in the column, but their line played fantastic, right? Dirks was in there as well. Those three played fantastic offensively. They did really well because you could tell that the Minnesota State were targeting some of our top lines, and they really stepped up uh, and made a lot of big plays in that game. But, uh, I mean, you definitely can see that Minnesota State is a team where um, I know especially Harrison uh, was saying this on the broadcast, and we'll get to that in here in just a minute. But, I mean, when you look at it. Minnesota State's a team that they love to put the pressure on when it comes to shooting the puck and winning faceoffs, right? So, I mean, we were really hanging with them in the faceoff category, which was something that was giving us chances. It was just times where we were on the power play. We win a faceoff, we'd win it back and goes to nobody. And we have to reset from the back. That makes you go down 15 seconds on your power play opportunity. And that obviously hurt us, really, losing some of that time, that precious time against a really good defensive team. But, uh, I mean, still got to hang your hat to how great they played. Uh, and this that's my end of my monologue here. Joe, you can go. Okay, thanks, man. <laughs> I just realized I've been talking for way too long, hey, man, so I apologize. Good. You have the floor. You good, but I mean, especially for Minnesota State, if you're looking at the rest of the CCHA playoffs, this is the one team you don't want to face right now with Northern Michigan because Northern Michigan not even won their last 10. Yeah. Which is absolutely wild. And especially yeah. you go into Michigan Tech for the semifinal, your arch rival, and you go into their house and blank them in the semifinal. Another team that was favored to win the CCHA at the start of the season, as well as a team who is favored to go pretty far in the NCAA, or in the NCAA playoffs. I still think you're probably going to see Michigan Tech in the playoffs. They're going to be a lower seed, I think, for sure. But I think if you're Minnesota State, you're going to be scared because Northern Michigan here, yeah, you get the, they get the first win at home. But if you're going to uh, Marquette, one of the hardest places to play in all of college hockey with uh, that fan base of Michigan Tech, you're going to see them travel really, really well. Uh, especially with their fans, because I mean, that drive is only what, like six hours? Right? I mean, that's a cupcake compared to yeah. going down to like Bowling I mean, yeah, Green. You just got to you know? drive across. I mean, you're fine there, yeah. but like Northern Michigan is going to be a team who's really going to be able to put it on fast. I think you're not going to really be surprised if you see Northern Michigan jump out to a 2 0 lead, probably in the first period. You might see Mankato kind of bring it back in the second, but. For a score prediction, I'm probably going to go like six to four or something oh. like that. I think it's going to be a pretty high scoring affair. Northern Michigan has been putting on a pretty solid amount of goals these past few games. I mean, they put up what nine and or nine and eight, so seventeen goals against us. Uh, <laughs> that one, that one day, they've been basically scoring at least four from the past one, except the last game against Bemidji State right before they took on Michigan Tech. But I think if you're looking at a CCHA playoff, this is probably one of the games that you were really hoping to see at the end because Northern Michigan's been a team who a little bit of a slow start, 
I mean, especially they dropped to what, six or s- close to seventh in the standings. And then for them to jump all the way to fourth and be able to get that first home ice spot and to be able to just not look back after that, they've been on a run, especially a hot one at that, uh, right when you want it to be. So this one's going to be a tough one for Minnesota State. I don't think they're going to be able to hold on and be able to play as well as Northern is because, like I said, they're hot, they're ready to go. And I think Northern's going to be able to punch their ticket to uh, the NCAA playoffs. Oh, there you go. I think when you look at what team would you like to play? Minnesota State in the championship. There was pretty much three options, right? Ferris State, of course. We would love to see Ferris State play Minnesota State in the final. That would have been awesome. But Michigan Tech, obviously, that would have been an absolute dogfight. We saw that the series between those two teams were absolutely electric. And then it was probably Northern Michigan, right? Out of all the other teams, Northern Michigan was the team because they are absolutely on fire. Offensively, we know this team is absolutely lethal. And obviously that comes with some risk, right? I mean, obviously for how aggressively they play on offense, I mean, it's really five goals or five penalties, right? It's really no in between. But right now they've found the groove and they've found ways to beat a lot of these teams handily, right? Michigan Tech is a really good team and they just blanked them for nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. that's crazy. They are that good and playing that good of hockey right now. So they're going to give Minnesota State all they can handle, I think. I think going to uh, Mankato after what they did at Holton, I think you got to be more little, whoa, like Mankato might need to buckle up a little bit because there were parts of it where Ferris was really controlling the tempo in that game. Now, obviously, Minnesota State was able to really put the hammer down down the stretch, and obviously that's their momentum going into this weekend. Um, but I think it's going to be a really intriguing matchup. I think it's going to be uh, a really fun Mason Cup final, and this is hopefully a matchup where I hope really like our guys, especially because um, I think when you look at it, I mean, this was a, a team that was one game away from making it to the Mason Cup final for how well they played this year. And I know a lot of people are looking, oh, they're 14 and 18 or whatever. This team, what look at the four ties, right? They won all four of those games and shootouts, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you look at it. There was a 500 team. This team really improved. And I think that was something um, that really caught my eye of like, I never really realized how well they have improved uh, from last year until I looked down on this show. Like, man, we were playing with Minnesota State in the Mason Cup semis. This team's going to be good. I think that this team is going to take a really good step forward next year. And I mean, they have a lot of the young talent to do so. Uh, and I, ca- I thought you saw, especially the underclassmen, Shouty, uh, McGrath, all the, a lot of the freshmen were really playing well in the Mason Cup. I mean, you saw a lot of them step up in that Bowling Green series, obviously, um, in Saturday night's Mankato game, you saw a couple score. Uh, and I thought that really was something that you can really hang your hat on going forward that this team is going to build as well. Uh, so a lot of hope for Coach Daniels' squad next year. Looking forward to it as well. Uh, as well, really, I was unfortunate. I listened to the whole broadcast and I knew it was going to be a uh, potentially, obviously you go into the game in the situation of, you know, this could be potentially the last game of your season, regardless of how confident you are going into the game, right? Like we're going to be watching every March Madness game, like both those teams, it's their last game because it could be, you never know, and especially mm-hmm. for a lot of those seniors. Uh, and for a lot of those, it could be their last one too. So, uh, I will say though, that, um, I want to say thank you to Harrison for all that he's done, especially for us. I mean, hearing that last broadcast, I know he was the guy um, that really set me up with my first broadcasting gig. He gave me the opportunity, believed in me. Uh, and he was a fantastic to work with. I know his last call was in Mankato, and I'm sure he wanted to make it a Mason Cup uh, final victory in an NCAA tournament bid. But uh, I mean, it's been phenomenal to just to hear him on the call for how many years now, eight years now, uh, and for all that he's done. I know for me and Joe. Um, so if Harrison, you're out there, that's a class act, man. Huge thanks to you, man. I mean, you really got us on the right track. Great dude, great human being, great to work for. Uh, we wish him nothing but the best in his next chapter, and can't wait to see uh, where life takes for him. What a guy. What a guy. Thanks, Harrison. Appreciate you, man. Harrison's a great guy, and we uh, can't can't thank him enough for all the opportunities that he's been able to give us, especially working for him for athletics. But getting into some more fair state athletics, I think, what do you want to go on to next, Brandon? Yeah, let's go spring break recap. A lot of Floridians coming back with their suntans over a whole week of play. Uh, We can start on softball here. I I think... A little bit of a slow start there from uh, Florida. Um, I think you start to see that momentum really come over the last couple of games. And that was something really positive, right? Uh, Lost three of their first four, but then they came back and really put on a really good display for winning. I believe it was four or five of their next seven. I thought that was really good. I thought you saw a lot of good overall. The offense was starting to really come alive there. 
at the end of the week. I mean, we had what, I think it was uh, three straight games. We scored uh, four straight games. We scored at least six runs. That was the offense we were missing last year. And I hope we can keep this going from Claremont and we can really bring it back to our field uh, and really show that uh, overall in this next conference slate. But I thought you saw a lot of great offense. And I think that was definitely one of the high points. Um, and I thought pitching wise, I thought we did really good, right? That was an area that we, we struggled with a little bit last year. You could just tell them that obviously with the injuries, uh, the rotation wasn't as deep, obviously relying on some players that don't normally throw to have to throw major innings. And that's a big adjustment. Uh, but I thought we saw overall really good performances. And I think when you looked at this team now going, especially uh, into more of the, the regular season play, obviously you're playing in the regular season in in Florida, but obviously now this is kind of where the season truly starts. Now you get the double headers against these teams and you're going on the road um, in one day of play. It's not all back to back to back or whatever, but I think you still help take a lot of positives from this Florida trip and uh, use it coming forward now in a really good regular season. I mean, the bats have been pretty hot as well. Uh, I mean, a lot of players still batting in the high 200s, low 300s marks, which you need a lot of those players um, to be really putting together some really good quality at bats. And I think that I think if you would compare the on base percentage as opposed to last year already through these first uh, 12 or 14 games or whatever we're at right now, maybe it's even closer to 20 actually now. Uh, I'm, I can do the math here in just a minute. I haven't done a long time. I but, got you, man. Uh, thank you, Joe. Um, I think that on 22. Base, 22 games. Holy cow. That was a <coughs> long time. I guess. Yeah. You did have the the dome invitational earlier, which I kind of yeah. forgot about, uh, which that was like four or five games right there. So we that's the, the different city. But, then you had the dome and then all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. So I want to say when you look at the on base, I think we're at 324 right now. I bet if you compared it to last year, I want to say that the batting average was maybe a little higher, but the on base was a lot lower. And yeah, I think that's sure, the yeah. difference right now is we're really putting together quality at bats. We're getting runners on base. And that's been the difference, right? Because last year we had a lot of good times where we had a lot of really big hits. We would get extra base hits, but the problem was we didn't really have anybody on base to score off of those extra base hits. Now we are, and that's a big step forward. And obviously the pitching is going to get better, obviously with the health that we have, um, it's going to make it a lot better. So uh, really good performances over the weekend. I think this team's definitely shown that they're getting better. They're playing a lot better ball right now. And I think that's really good momentum here coming off of spring, going into the true season here coming up in a, a date with Lewis coming up uh, later on this week. I believe, I believe they will be traveling over there here in the next coming days to go over to the visit the flyers on Wednesday. That game will be at two o'clock and a four o'clock first pitch there from Illinois. Yeah. And I like how you brought up Brandon. It's going to be, it's definitely a different change. I think of how this team's going to be able to produce offensive wise, because I mean, last year we had page courts who had what, like at least 15 home runs something yeah. like that. You had a lot of extra base hits. I mean, already we have, I think 120 hits so far, only 27 of them are extra bases. So if you're really looking at it, it's going to be kind of more of a small ball atmosphere. I feel like uh, for this season, you're going to see a lot kind of more, I feel like slapstick kind of stuff, kind of more, you know, hit and runs, that type of deal, kind of playing the strategy yeah. a little bit more rather than kind of just, you know, Hey, just swing a hard grip and rip it type deal. Three, I'll swing away type. But I think you're still going to see us play pretty solid. I think we're going to hit our stride, especially as we go into, I mean, we've got what, eight more games until conference starts up. I know we play, uh, um, Lewis first, I think what March fifteenth. So yep. at the beginning of the or at the middle of this week, and then close out the weekend at Tiffin. I think we only got Ashland, and then that weekend or that next week, and then Northwood, and we got and Northwood right at, at it Saginaw on so, Saturday. Yeah, so we got a pretty solid slate, I think, before we started up. I mean, it's going to be kind of tough seeing that Grand Valley and Wayne and Saginaw are kind of the top of the teams for the Gleak. But honestly, I won't have it any other way because if we get on a if we keep this roll going a little bit, I mean, like you said, we're four and one in our last five. So if we keep this roll going. Keep it, keep it staying hot, get the bats ready and ready to go. I think we're going to be pretty solid as uh, Gleak play runs around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you saw Evelyn Blood's really picked off as the senior. She's had a really good start to the campaign. I think she's slugging 417 right now, 313 average. She's been doing really well. Uh, Kylie Winkle's a very versatile player. Uh, has already went deep this year. Her on base is near 350. Uh, so I think you're seeing a lot of these upperclassmen really stepping up, especially with the absence of a lot of those good players from last year as well. I mean, you mentioned Paige Quartz already. Um, so I think you definitely see that as a lot of positives too when it comes to it. And I think pitching-wise, I think you're 
still seeing um, some really good overall stats from these first couple of games. Obviously, we've played some pretty good offensive teams so far, but I mean, Aaron Gallinger has really played well so far. She started eight contests already. She has a sub two ERA. She's really looking like uh, a true number one candidate along with Christy Gray. Um, and I think you have a lot of a couple other freshmen, too, that have put together some good ones. I mean, Catherine O'Donohue has been one of the, the most used pitchers right now as a freshman. So Coach Schumann's got a lot of confidence in her. She's put together some pretty good stat lines, leader and strikeouts amongst the pitchers. So uh, I think there's a lot of good talent coming and a lot of these freshmen are starting to really step up here in their first couple of collegiate games. And that's something that you really like to see right now moving forward, especially with a team that is looking like they're on the upward trajectory here. New coach, new program, hopefully new success coming forward for Fair Softball. Yeah, really looking forward to how this team is going to play. I think especially with a new coach, it's going to be interesting uh, to see how uh, I think everybody reacts to it because, I mean, especially the Janes last year had a little bit of success here and there, but not exactly what we wanted to. But the consistency the was consistency missing. was definitely missing, but we definitely had spurts and a little bit of glimpses of what this team could actually be like uh, if we just got a little bit more success. And I think that's what we've been able to see so far. And it's going to be very interesting to see how this new uh, coaching staff, new players, all that stuff kind of gel together, especially uh, when they get back home. Absolutely. Very interesting to watch moving forward. Obviously, we'll get into all that in the spring preview show, which we'll have coming up likely next week. Anyway, moving over now, tennis in action over spring break. A lot of tough contests, let me tell you, uh, over there in Lakeland in Florida. I mean, that's tough. A lot of good teams. A lot of good teams. <laughs> Women's came up short, uh, all for four. But I mean, those all half of those teams were ranked, and that was the thing that really you know going into this full in this Florida trip. Obviously, we kind of looked at years past. I know I looked in some of the um, the last year. I think they played. Uh, I want to say like five. They I think they played around five teams last year. Maybe it was a little bit more than that. And I know at least half of them were in the top ten of the regions or even nationally ranked in the top twenty five. Um, and some of these teams are as well. So I know like St. Leo is always going to be a, a, a dynasty top 25 team. And obviously we came up a little short, but we put up a pretty good fight against them, especially uh, the men's side. We're able to get a victory on the final day uh, against Palm Beach Atlantic. Uh, that was a big momentum booster for the men's squad. But uh, I think really when it comes down to it, obviously, uh, obviously you would love the wins against some of these great teams, but just getting that, that understanding of playing that high class level of tennis, which I'm not saying like their early schedule has been a cupcake. For, I'm not saying that at all. I mean, Indy and some of these other really good GMAC teams are really, good, right? The Tiffin wins were huge for the program, uh, as Joe likes to say. But I think when you see overall the results I think obviously that can kind of stray you away of a team's true uh, ability to produce well in a lot of these good games because obviously we look at records so many times, right? How many teams is, or how many games is this team won? How many games is this team won? That's probably something we're going to look at in the bracketology part here in the second half of the show. But in the reality, there are a lot of these teams that get that good experience against some of these better teams. And that's why you see some of these teams necessarily, they could be especially not necessarily the top winningest team, but they've played that high level competition. They know what it takes to get those wins and play with these top tier teams. And that's almost as better than you than walk through cupcakes and pick up a school record number of wins. That's just usually how sometimes it goes in sports altogether. Yeah, I think, as, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with that one because I'd rather have that too. I mean, especially if you go down South, that's where a lot of the good teams are. I mean, I mean, you got, uh, Tampa, especially for women's, has been a perennial powerhouse. Yep. St. Leo, both sides, like you said, perennial powerhouse. And then you go into some of these other teams that could be kind of a toss-up and go either way. I mean, especially with Palm Beach, the men getting the win. Women's so close to being able to get a win down there. But I would rather have that where you see, hey, this is where some of these good teams can exploit you in. This is what we can work on. Of course, the GLIAC in in tennis is not really you know as much of a... Uh, I guess a powerhouse as it usually is in other sports, but you're able to see some of these games where, Hey, I need to work on this because some of these better t- players can exploit this, um, this, these parts of my games. Hey, I've been able to play this really well. I got to work on this too, uh, to be able to just really fine tune it. And especially when you got Wayne state coming up, uh, to open up Gleak play. That's been a team who's been a solid test, uh, with Gleaks, but there's been a team that we've been able to, you know, pretty play, play pretty well against. And I think, especially after, <laughs> thanks for like the little chop up there. <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting I appreciate there. that. <laughs> I mean, Hey, I've been, I've had like a week and a half off. Yeah. Of Joe is coming hey, right I'm off coming. of the cusp and he's nailing hey, it right man, now. I'm trying my best here, but it's definitely going to be a solid test, especially, I mean, you got uh, Davenport, Grand Valley kind of in the middle of the season. Uh, and those two teams have been the ones who have kind of been able to, you know, give us a little bit more of a test when it comes to it. So men's and women's, I feel like you're in a pretty good spot. Don't let the record fool you down south and everything like that, because I think the teams are going to be able to come off this with a lot of stuff to work on. 
Coach Doran's going to be able to recognize, hey, this might be where we're falling short a little bit. This is what we got to work. And I think that's going to be a big, big point of focus for the team, especially with Wayne State coming to town on Friday. Love it, Joe. Absolutely nailed it. Thanks, man. Moving over now to golf we go. Kaiser Cup for the women. Uh, Pretty good overall performances. I mean, we've we've pounded this nail over and over and over again because that just shows how how good this team is. We have improved over each round of golf we've played. And that's the craziest thing is when you look at it, uh, I mean, I'm looking at the the overall, like uh, you call it the box score, but obviously it's just the overall scoring from um, that whole tournament, the scorecard. Yeah. If you may, that's probably the more, I don't I know so. why I didn't say scorecard year ago, scorecard from the Kaiser cup. We were, I believe only one of, uh, two teams that improved. No, actually we were the only team that improved each round from round one to round three. That's a great overall trait to have as a really talented team. We just got to be a little bit better in round one and we're in contention for some of these, these tournaments. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing is, uh, just being able to, we've got that part down of improving, making that run on the chase card in the final round, being able to start off strong and then get stronger. That's really what can make this team very elite. But I think they still put together a really good performance finishing fourth overall, maybe not as best as they would have liked to see uh, against some of these quality Florida teams. Uh, but I think you still saw a lot of great success. Uh, and I think you still have a, a lot of great marks out Obviously, uh, as well, you saw a lot of great uh, overall play from a lot of the uh, uh, the unexperienced Bulldogs, and they're getting some really good, uh, really good tournaments under their belt. Especially going into the the GLIAC season here coming up. I mean, Dan Skowski was one of the best. She was seventh overall individually in the field, uh, and then you saw Cameron Shannon play really well. Elena Eldred played really well. Abby Gravel really well, as well as Lizzie Anderson played really well. Um, so you're starting to see a lot of that come together here. Uh, and I mean, especially for them pacing off in a, in a new environment as well, obviously, uh, Florida golf courses. I know Joe, you probably know this more than I do. Every state can really attest to this. Every state has different golf courses than another state. It's completely different ball game. So going on unknown turf, maybe a little bit more known turf, obviously, since we've kind of been there in years past, but still it's a whole new tournament. It's a whole new area that we've kind of not been accustomed to, especially for a lot of these competitors too. So I think that's something you got to consider when you mm-hmm. consider the success, but overall I think it's pretty solid weekend there from Florida. Yeah. Well, you also got to see that. I mean, big graphs has just been under snow for the past, what month and a half or so. Yep. So <laughs> that's kind of tough. Obviously you're just kind of on the Sims and, and down in the basement of, uh, of the, I totally forgot what our golf center is called Rankin. Um, it's, I believe, Ken something, I want to say. Jank, that's what it is. Yeah, Ken yeah. Jank. There Ken we go. Jank, that's what it is. Yeah, I've we been, know stuff. I've been there. I played in that thing. I don't know why I was struggling so hard. But anyways, you're down in the basement. I mean, you're putting on, you know, just the, the putting green down there, which is not, you know, natural. I mean, you can try your best to be able to mimic what it's like on the actual course. But unless you can get out there, you know, day after day and, you know, battle the elements and stuff like that, it's always going to be tough. So a lot of these teams down south have a little bit of an advantage to be able to go outside and play every day and be able to have that. I mean, we can be able to do that, you know, in the summer and early in the fall and stuff like that. But once it gets to the point now where, you know, it gets to, December, November, or November, December, January, February, March, even the early, uh, March, April. Yeah. I'm getting my March, April, uh, May. I was going to say, I was getting my things all, there you go. all yeah. mixed up. Even in the early May, you get these times where you can't really go outside. So it's a little bit different going from Sims to the outside, but still it's a, it's a really solid spot to be able to go out there, especially down South where you get some really solid weather to play. And it's not always sunshine and rainbows. You get a little bit more wind. You can get some rain. You can get some solid battle, uh, of the elements there, but it's going to be a pretty solid, a uh, pretty solid return for the team, I think. I mean, how many more do they have down south before they uh, come back? Is uh, it just one? I believe it's just the one. So, yeah, they'll be back. Yeah. Saginaw Valley, I believe, this weekend. So, or SVSU Spring Dude. Invitational. I know in years past there's been an SVSU Invitational that's not been in Saginaw. So, I don't know. I got to figure out uh, where and when that'll be. So, but really interesting on their schedule. I don't know if you saw this, Joe. On Friday the 24th. Ferris Grand Valley Davenport tri match, I believe, mm. is on the schedule. That is going to be something. That's just so, for men's, though. Yeah, that is just for men's. But speaking of men's, kind of going over there, um, uh, the spring invitational uh, they took part in down there. Uh, they did really well down there at Sacred Heart. Uh, I mean, getting to play in Daytona Beach, I mean, that's pretty sweet as it is. So, uh, which, I mean, I'm jealous of all these teams really getting to play down there in Florida and nice weather. So I kind of stuck up here and ran in the 30 degrees and snow. So I'm kind of yeah, jealous you know of that. So, you know how it is. Yeah, it is how it is, but you got to keep the grind going. But uh, I mean, the men's really played well. I mean, this was a division one loaded field. When I looked back at it, you had like Purdue Fort Wayne was in there. Butler was in there. 
Uh, Longwood was in there. Howard University, Fairleigh Dickinson, two teams that are actually going to, I believe, play each other in the NCAA tournament, which we'll get to here in just a minute. Uh, a lot of D1 programs. And uh, I mean, really, we held our own. I mean, we finished sixth out of, I believe, the 12 team field or 11 team field uh, and a really good performances. I mean, Caleb Bond as a freshman led the way for us uh, as the lefty finishing 11th. Zach Corner was right there in 12th. Uh, Dan Shattuck, friend of the show as well, did really well. Uh, Trent Barth, uh, as well as Adam Magistry, both guys that have been here, very experienced players with the program, played well uh, for the Bulldogs. So I think you saw really good overall action from them. And I think when you look at um, their scorecards, too, I mean, you start you saw a lot of improvement from round one to round two. I mean, I think it was four out of five improved uh, from the first round to the second round. And I think that's something that you can take forward and, and really hang your hat on. Uh, I think it's just really being able to keep that consistent play from get one uh, in round one and continue that to round two. That's kind of the next step to make this team very elite, which I mean, obviously we're making critiques for a team that has proven that they can win GLAC championships. So whatever it takes for them, I'm not going to step in their way. We'll just report their success because we know they're going to get after it and they're going to go get it, especially for a loaded season coming up. Yeah, for sure. And especially, I mean, what is it now? It's how many more days until outdoor starts? Not many. I can tell you that. Not many. Not many. So it's really the grind time, man. Gotta get after it. Gotta get after it. So for sure. More information coming up on <laughs> fairstatebulldogs.com. That was the best point too I've had in a long time, Joe. It's good to have you back, my yeah, friend. Yeah, man. But anyway, that'll be that for the Fair State Sports Report. Quick break. Bracketology next here on the MBSP. Are you a Ferris State student interested in getting into audio production, music, podcasting, or even DJing? Bulldog Radio could be the place for you with plenty of opportunities and hands-on experience within not only these realms, but the marketing and social media opportunities outside. Join us to have your voice heard. No other place than Bulldog Radio. It's the most wonderful time of the year, and it has returned. The men's NCAA bracket challenge. Everybody loves this one. Everybody loves filling out the brackets with the fellas and with their friends, getting it going and being able to kind of share this experience and be able to watch some of the best college basketball and some of the best college athletes play uh, one of the best times of the year. And we cannot wait to get into it. Brandon, it's bracketology time. Some teams we are looking forward to, who we might think win it, some matchups that we're really looking forward to as well. I mean, Brandon, you want to fire it off? Start us up. Yeah, let's go. I'm so excited. I just jumped out of my chair. Bracketology is one of my favorite times of year. So I'm uh, looking forward to this episode for a long time. So bracket is out as of yesterday as we record this on Monday. Selection show Sunday definitely brought some interesting looks and matchups for round one. So so we'll kind of go through um, some matchups that we're looking forward to as well um, as some teams are looking for final four destinies, as well as some teams we are looking to play spoiler here in the tournament. So we'll kind of start with the matchups here and we'll go along. We'll get through some of the teams and some of the, uh, the notable ones that you need to know filling out your bracket this year, as well as maybe we'll post our brackets online too. So you might be able to see me and Joe's complete bracket, uh, but you got to follow at the MVSP on social media first in order to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think when you look at a lot of these matchups, I mean, we can kind of go quadrant by quadrant here. Um, the South is very intriguing, especially with uh, really kind of America's favorite upsets, right? The four, the four thirteen, the five twelve is obviously like <laughs> mathematically the one of the favorite upsets that you like to to look at. And I mean, there's two really good ones right there: San Diego State, Charleston. Uh, San Diego State's a really good defensive team. They really stay home to their fundamental uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Where Charleston, they get outrun, they can sling it. They are a really good team and tempo as far um, as three-point shooting. So I think that's a matchup that I'll be looking forward to as well as Virginia. Always a really fundamentally good team offensively. They're very efficient. But they have been upset prone in years past. So that's why you give teams like uh, Furman, who's a really good team, uh, and really kind of the Cinderella. I think I looked up a stat for them. The Paladins are... Uh, playing their first tournament in 43 years. Jeez, so, I mean, dude. that's the sin- ultimate Cinderella there's story. Team, there's another team I saw that was like 60-some years. I forgot who it was. I want to say something like that. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's crazy that some of these teams are making it. But Was it Howard? Uh, could be Howard, actually. Yeah, I, they have I a, they have the play. Or I don't believe they have a play-in game, but I think they are in the position where they will play Kansas in the, the West region. So <laughs> that was going to be a handful for uh, the Bison. But those are the two that I'm really looking forward to seeing, um, as well as Missouri-Utah State. That's a fantastic game, potentially. Missouri's a team um, that offensively has came to life. I mean, they've beaten a lot of good teams this year. They beat Tennessee, who's a four seed uh, in this tournament as well. Kentucky, who's a six seed. They've taken care of Iowa State. 
State, Arkansas, Illinois, a lot of these good uh, overall teams in this tournament. Uh, and I think really playing in a position where they're going to have to travel to Sacramento um, to take on Utah State, a team that really was playing well, just had to lose to Sagan, or Saginaw Valley State, San Diego State uh, in that in that uh, tournament championship was really tough for them. But that's going to be a really good matchup. And I mean, if Missouri wins, I mean, that's a game where I'm looking at the Tigers and the Wildcats of Arizona. That's going to be a heck of a ball game for those two teams, their offenses. Holy Moses. But those are the three games that I'm looking at here um, as far as I think I really am starting to start to get a feel for Furman over Virginia. I don't know why, but it's starting to kind of feel it a little bit. I'm feeling it just a little bit. I'm not sure necessarily. I mean, Jalen Slauson's a really good player. Uh, I think they have some really good guard play. They like to shoot the three a lot. So if they're hitting, they could be a team that could beat Virginia. If they're not hitting, I mean, Virginia, as far as efficiency, is going to take care of them. So it's really going to be coming down to the three ball for Furman. So, uh, but that's going to be one that I'm going to be interested in here, as well as Missouri potentially against Arizona. I mean, that could be a 7 2 that I could really talk myself into. I believe it, man. I, I respect that one because that one's honestly going to be. Uh kind of a little bit toss of what it's going to be. I've already kind of looked at some of these and these are like arguably the South, I think is going to be the hardest one to look up at because there's not as many chalk kind of uh, matchups throughout, especially like the five, the fours and the sixes and stuff like that, because you're going to see a lot of these teams like just go down to the wire. I feel, I think we're going to have probably one of the best opening rounds that we've had in a long time. Yeah. It definitely seems like this year's tournament as a whole. And I think especially what you mentioned, the South bracket, especially looks like the most upset prone out of all the brackets overall. So uh, that one will be interesting too. I think there's one that I'm going to absolutely hammer um, one matchup here that I know a lot of people are really flipping the coin on and that's West Virginia, Maryland. I know West Virginia is not as great of a team um, against top 25 teams, but they have beaten a lot of good teams, right? So I think when you look at it, really Maryland is a really good team. They're a really good team, but they're really good at College Park. Outside of College Park, they are not as good of a team on the road. And I think that traveling down to Alabama, I think it's going to be a tough matchup for them, especially against the West Virginia team that is better or on the road, if I remember statistically. And obviously, Bob Huggins is uh, one of the best tournament coaches that has been over the last, well, really last 20, 30 years. I think he has a winning record. Um, so I could anticipate him definitely winning one game. Alabama, that might be a different story. So I think I'm going to hammer West Virginia, though, this year. I think that's, this game's probably going to be a toss-up. over. But I'm going to hammer West Virginia. Go Mountaineers. Fight on, I guess. But uh, moving over to the Midwest, Joe, what are some games that are really taking your eye so far? I'm really excited for this Miami-Drake game. Yeah. Because Drake's been a team that's perennially been kind of like one of the better non-Power 6 teams in uh, college basketball, kind of in some of those conferences because... They've made some noise. I mean, they've made the they made the Sweet 16 a couple of times. They've consistently made the round of 32. I think last year, I don't think they made it, but I think the year before they got knocked out in the 64 in the opening round. But Miami's a team who's kind of really starting to show out a little bit, who's been a really surprising addition to kind of this conversation of who's going to be able to make it far here. But I think that's going to be one to watch out for because Miami is going to come into it like they're going to be able to roll them out. But Drake's always had that underdog mentality. And Miami's a team who we've seen really flourish with a three ball and kind of all oh, that ball movement. They're an offensive heavy team. So it's going to be interesting to see there. Another one as well uh, that I'm looking forward to is Texas A&M and Penn State. I have no clue who to pick there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Penn State's been a team who's kind of like upset a lot of guys or upset some teams, have fallen to some teams that they should have beat for sure. Texas A&M has been the same way. So I think it's two teams who have... Had a solid season so far, made the tournament, but I don't want these two teams. I don't think they're going to make it very far. I don't think, but they're going to be a team uh, who's definitely going to just kind of show out in the first. We're, this is probably going to be one of the best uh, round of 64 games that we're probably going to see so far this this uh, this year. Yeah, AM and Penn State, both teams really on a high point um, with their seasons. Penn State reaching the Big Ten title game. Uh, AM obviously making a huge run in their conference tournament to the championship game uh, for Fall in Alabama. So I think you got to imagine that that, though that game's going to be a, pretty much a coin flip at this point. But uh, I mean, especially when you mentioned, um, uh, when you mentioned Drake, I mean, every year the Summit League produces a team on paper that looks like an absolute steal uh, as an upset, right? This year, um, we have a really, we have a lot of good teams that you can look at and be like, oh yeah, that's Drake is one of them, obviously. Uh, I feel like Drake, we've definitely hit uh, a lot overall in the last couple of years as well. And obviously another team that we'll get to Oral Roberts and from that conference too, that a lot of people are looking at over potentially Duke. So, uh, but yeah, I really like those games. I think this is a sneaky game as well. Kent State against Indiana. Indiana did 
did not play the best against Purdue or not against Purdue um, against Penn State uh, in that semifinal game. And that gives me some concerns against a really athletically inclined Kent State team. Obviously, they haven't necessarily played well um, in, in some of their other conference games, but they played up against a lot of these good teams. Remember, they played Houston earlier on this season. They lost by five in that game. They also played at Gonzaga. We lost by seven. I mean, this Golden is it? this Golden Flashes team is a little okay, right. interesting here. So Kent State might be one I'm keeping my eye on as well um, against Indiana. I know I already picked a 413 in this one, but uh, as well, Iowa State, to me, I still have question marks about, but uh, I think you need to see Mississippi State beat Pitt to really get me on board with that potential upset because uh, Iowa State's really been up and down this year, and they could be inconsistent going into this tournament. So. But those will be some definitely interesting ones to watch here. Going over to the East Quadrant now, uh, this one owned by Purdue. I don't think they're going to have any problems getting past uh, uh, whoever that gets the win in either a 14 and 20, I think it was when I looked it up, Texas Southern team. Don't know how they made the tournament, but they made a run. Um, but some other... That surprised me so much. I, I know, Joe got, is, what's the word, flabbergasted? I think that's the right word I was word like breathing here. in, but then I laughed at the same time, so like it just like caught in my throat weird. Yeah, How do you I, make the term as a 14 to I mean, I guess they got the play in, <laughs> but still. Yeah, I think their rank last, like in this, they're like 68th in the power ranking of 68 when it came to the teams. But How do you make that? Oh my God. Yeah, gosh. I don't know. But uh, some other upset ones. This one, honestly, I think might go more chalk until we start seeing much. these lower seats playing each other. Yeah, I think once you see probably like Memphis FAU play, you can see FA. I mean, that's really the thing is eight and nines really aren't upsets because I feel like you could just toss them either way. Yeah. Which know? I think actually statistically the nine has been better uh, in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Nine, nine seeds have won 11 of the last 16 meetings against uh, eight seeds in the past four tournaments, according to ESPN's bracketology. So there's your stat right there. The nine has been better statistically against the eight so far. Yeah, that's, Pretty honestly, that's kind of weird. I mean, especially you kind of want to be the nine there, but that's been kind of. I mean, you might be able to see uh, Kentucky lose to Providence. Kentucky lost first round to Vanderbilt, a team that uh, they should have beat in the SEC tournament. Yep. That one was uh, kind of a tough loss for them. So you might see Kentucky come back with a vengeance and kind of go on a run here, or you might see Providence kind of pick up on a little bit of a slow start from Kentucky uh, as they did against Vanderbilt there. Michigan State, USC, I feel like could go either way. I think the Spartans might have it because I would love to see a Michigan State Marquette matchup. Oh, especially with Joey yes. That would be really cool. But yes. Vermont's a team, especially that I'm kind of interested to see. I mean, who are they in there? Are they in the big sky or what, what, uh, what turn or what a uh, conference are they in America say, East, right? Uh, which one did you say? Providence? Vermont. Oh, Vermont. They, I think they're in the American East, right? Yeah, they are. They yeah. Are. And this is not a, oh, this is kind of a pretty booty, <laughs> booty conference. <laughs> it's pretty bad. You only got UMass Lowell who's the only, only good team. So this one's going to be interesting. I, th- I still think Vermont might be a lock for a 15 too. Whoa. But, hey, don't, don't bet on my picks, but if you bet on my picks, then you bet on my picks. That's how it goes. Or however Deion Sanders said it before. Um, Okay. There you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I missed the button, so I had to use it. But. but yeah, like you said, pretty chalk in this one. I don't think I really see very many. Because, I mean, you might say like, oh, Oral Roberts might make another kind of journey as they did before. Ooh. But I don't think so. Duke's kind of been a little bit too hot right now, especially uh, in the ACC. They're, what, third or something, 26 and eight against a lot better competition than what Oral Roberts has been playing. But, I mean, we always say that every year. I mean, some of these teams should be able to beat them pretty handily, but they end up losing. So that might be an upset to look forward to as well. Yeah, I like Oral Roberts as a team really well, and I think that's why they might lose the first round because it's like last year, nobody was talking about Oral Roberts as a 15 seed against Ohio State, and obviously they beat them. And then you were like, oh, or was it two years ago? That might have been two years ago because uh, St. Peter's was last year. Or yeah, Roberts that was, was two years ago. Uh, but still, either way, I mean, the Golden Eagles were a team no one was talking about. And then you saw them really kind of come back this last year uh, and play really well. And now it's almost like they're too good of a pick over a Duke team that's been uh, very inconsistent this year. Uh, but still on a down year, they end up getting a five seed. I mean, that just shows how good they are. But here's one intriguing uh, combination I see with the East bracket. Right. Purdue looks like a team like how are we going to stop Zach Eady? Well, if they were to win and they were able to beat Florida Atlantic or Memphis and then somehow Oral Roberts and Louisiana where the Raging Cajuns would able to win to get to that round of 32 and Oral Roberts won. Now you got a matchup with 7-4 Zach Eady as well as Oral Roberts 
has a 7-5 center that would match up Jeez. against uh, Zach Eady. And that would be a very, very fun matchup to watch just because, I mean, that would be like, oh, how do you neutralize a 7-4 guy? Well, you bring in Connor Vanover, who's 7-5, and there you <laughs> go. That could be a very fun matchup if it were to end that way. So uh, moving over to the West here, this one looks very interesting when it comes to, uh, I think this one could be a little bit more uh, it look. It feels like it could be chalk, but I don't think this is a potential where this is not going to be one where I think anybody's going to be easily putting Kansas all the way through to the final four here, Joe. Yeah, true. And I think, I mean, you're playing Howard, who this is the first time that they made the tournament in over three decades, Holy which hell. is absolutely wild. But Kansas, I think, especially winning, what is it? What are they in the big 12? Yeah. Uh, especially winning the conference tournament for them, being able to lock that in. I mean, you're looking at a team who's as hot as ever. I think they're even in a better momentum state and a better, like uh better route to the tournament championship than they were last year. Uh, but you definitely got to watch out for some of these other teams. I mean, UConn has been kind of making some noise a little bit, uh, but I think if you look at the West, I feel like this is the weakest, the weakest one when it comes to the higher seeds because UCLA has been all right. I mean, last year they made kind of a little bit of a little bit of noise with Johnny Juzang and stuff like that. And then you got Gonzaga who everybody knows my thoughts on Gonzaga is they're a fake, <laughs> they're a fake good team, but you got some of these lower, lower, uh, Lower seeds, who I think could make some noise a little bit. Boise State, I haven't been paying too much attention to. Grand Canyon's been a team who, when they make the tournament, they've been able to play pretty well. I mean, last time they made, I think they made it to what the Sweet Sixteen, right? Uh, I don't. With I don't think they got all the way that far. I know they upset in the first round, and I think they are maybe the twelfth or thirteenth seed. Wasn't that? Was it? I could say uh, the one that it's I'm been thinking, like two or three years. The one I'm really thinking of that's probably it's not Grand Canyon, but I keep thinking it is is Abilene when they beat Texas in the oh, first yeah, round. Yeah, that's yeah. the one I keep thinking of. But no, that is not Grand Canyon. I don't actually remember when Grand Canyon was in the tournament last. So that could be true. So but this one, I feel like is also the same with uh, with the East. It's going to be pretty much solid, like whoever's the higher seed is probably going to win. I mean, you might see Ar- Arkansas and Illinois could go either way. That Illinois. game's going to be a 40-40 Illinois. to 40 game. Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to say Illinois. 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 Uh, Northwestern Boise, I feel like, could go either way as well. But other than that, I mean, you're looking at a lot of these higher seeds kind of going into the, into the round of 32, and I think you're going to probably see, you know, probably by third round, you're going to see like one, two, three, four. Could be. One, two, um, three, five or something like that. Could be. I could see. I think that it's going to – this is like the, the perennial, like, uh, when you look at the top, like – considered blue blood teams of this like the overall season honestly it's in the true blue bloods but I mean you got a couple of them right there Kansas obviously then you got Gonzaga then you got uh UCLA who you can kind of throw in as an honorary blue bud they, they used not to they really used to be but really good and then ever since like the Lonzo Ball era they've really fallen off yeah, they kind of departed from there a little bit. But uh, St. Mary's VCU is a game that I'm going to be watching. St. Mary's was a team that beat Gonzaga earlier on this year, um, as well as really put up some really good games. I mean, obviously finishing 26 wins. I mean, they're one of the better defensive teams that you'll see in this tournament altogether. But VCU is a team um, that is known for playing the upset cards. So they're not going to be uh, a team that you're going to want to sleep on here for this upcoming tournament. But uh, looking at some of potential final four appearance teams, obviously there's many seeds uh, of one through obviously the four seeds that you can make arguments for. Um, we'll kind of go through some of the ones that we're watching out for. Obviously, I think there's a really good chance that you see teams like Houston. Uh, obviously, Alabama's been playing phenomenal. Those teams obviously will have a really good chance like Purdue and Kansas. The number one seeds obviously have the best chance. But uh, outside of really those top seeds, one team I'm going to be watching out for, Joe, the team that I've been riding on this whole year. It's the UConn Huskies, baby. I don't I know. know. That's why I they said UConn's are, been, I, I know what you're talking about. They're man. riding, man. And I'm absolutely stoked to watch UConn play. I own on the first round. I mean, this is a team. They beat Bam earlier on this year. They beat Iowa State, who is going to be one of the hotter teams going into this tournament. And they've really taken care of business. They've beaten Marquette, who's a two seed. So I really like the opportunity here for Coach Hurley's team. I don't know why necessarily I pick them earlier on this season, but I'm riding the train of the Huskies this year. I think this could be a good bracket for them as well. Uh, a matchup with St. Mary's does look a little scary on paper, but if they play VCU, I really like UConn in that matchup um, for their explosiveness to score and especially beat teams uh, on the boards on offensive glass. But 
I think you just can see that team necessarily that could squeak their way into the Elite Eight play on, uh, potentially get past Kansas and maybe line up against Gonzaga, TCU, or UCLA. And I would think that would be a very interesting. I like where UConn's at, Joe. I'm going to be a Husky fan for life pretty much after this if they win the whole thing. Hey, man, Cardiac Kemba, last time they really made some noise. So who knows? Maybe who knows, it up man? a little bit. Who knows, I'm man? I'm excited for him. Who's kind of like your one sleeper pick that like – you're going to be rooting for like the whole time. Oh, like a double digit seed you talking yeah, about? Like a double digit seed. I got mine. Okay. What you got? I mean, Drake. Oh yeah. Drake's going to be a team that I hope makes it to at least the elite or the, not the elite, the sweet 16. I mean, they have a fantastic mascot. I mean, the Bulldogs, come on. That's yeah, the course. greatest in of the land. Course. Of, of course. course. Yeah. I mean, are you going? Are you going to say what yours is? Or? Well, I'm I'm still thinking about mine, but I thought you were going to continue <laughs> well, the bulldog we, chat here for well, a second. We, I was like, we just had a silence. I was like, yeah, we, that's fair. I'm going to take go. I'm going to take the team that could potentially play Drake in the next round. That's the Kent Golden State. Flash the is Golden it? Flashes, dude. Like Let it. me like tell it. you, Indiana is a team that I really liked. I know. I think I literally said this last week again on the on the show on the weekend. So make sure you watch back and listen to that episode if you haven't already. They look really good. They like do. I watched a little bit of their film. They look really good. And I really hate the fact they're playing Indiana, right? If Kent State was playing a team like Virginia, then I'd be really liking that matchup. If they were playing UConn, that would honestly be worse. But I think I really like Indiana, but I think Kent State got the perfect matchup against. uh, I think Indiana is going to have fits with Kent State. And if Kent State wins, I really like them against Miami. I like them more against Miami than I do against Indiana. And then a potentially against Houston, that would be a little bit of a scary matchup. But I mean, if Kent State can catch some fire here, man, I mean, they're a team that can score 76 a game. And I think that really can prove um, some, and I think they have the experience of playing those bigger teams and playing these tight games. So I think this could be a really fun game. Uh, and I think that really, when you look down to it, I think we looked at the uh, um, the decision tree when it comes to ESPN. ESPN's uh, game generator. The decision tree, it should be a lot more larger of a margin than this. It's 56-44 in favor of Illinois in Indiana. So yeah. it's that's, a lot closer than that's a That's the thing, too. Indiana's only 4-4 four and four in their last eight, and a lot of their losses in the last four have been to unranked teams, by oh, the way. Oh, boy. They lost to Michigan State, who was unranked, beat them by, or they lost them by 15, lost to Iowa by 22, and then they ended up losing to Penn State in the tournament, uh, or Big Ten tournament, 77 to 73. So if you think Kent State's going to lose this one, I don't know, man. Maybe a little I bit. Indiana might be on track to get an get a early round exit and might be over for the Hoosiers real fast. We don't know. We don't know. So, Joe, your pick for top team that you think could win it champion? all that is not like a top seed, I guess. Uh, or it could be a top seed. I guess you could pick that too. I mean, Tennessee. I had to pick UConn, so. No, not Tennessee. Uh, I like Tennessee, too. That's a good team. I do, but I also just don't like Tennessee. <laughs> um, yeah, that's tough. I would say, hey, I'm mad that you picked UConn because I was kind of looking forward to UConn. The Huskies. Uh, not a number one seed? Oh, uh, it could be. I mean. Well, I mean, out of I all like, the number ones, I like Bama the best. Yeah. That's I fair. think Bama's going to be pretty solid. But other than that, I think you probably got to watch out for a little old Baylor. Oh, okay. Okay. This is that Baylor's a team that some people want out in the first round. Really? So that's very yeah. interesting. Joe wants to win at all. I am a big Baylor Bears fan. So I like the Bears as well. Yeah. Cause they won me, they won me a bracket pool two years ago. I want to say uh, for picking them all the way. So I've kind of been stuck on a Baylor yeah, fan. 20, 22 and 10. So they're a solid team, but also the big 12 was uh, over half of their Five out of the 11 teams had over 21 seasons. Yeah. And Iowa State was one away. So that's almost over half a year. And West Virginia was at 19. Dang. They had a pretty solid amount of teams up in the near the 20 win mark. Yeah. Baylor's a really good offensive team. Defensively, if they can figure it out, I mean, them against potentially Arizona might be their that best. That be a lock. Yeah, that could be a really good chance for Baylor. So not a lot of teams are high on Baylor this year, but they can make some noise. But I just have to wait and see. Exactly. March Madness is a great time of year. We don't even know. It could be everybody, every low seed wins this year. Who yeah, knows? who knows? Princeton beats Arizona first round. That that maybe would make 
no sense, but it would certainly could be a chance for it happening. Who uh, knows? I mean, you never know. What if Grand Canyon beats Gonzaga? Hey, you never know. I mean, you can talk about all these games that are locks potential. North Kentucky beats Houston. Whoa, what happened? I don't know. You never know. We have the one versus 16 already be proven to be not unbeaten anymore. So, hey, maybe Kennesaw State beats Xavier and creates absolute havoc and beats Texas. And then, boom, they're in the Elite Eight. You never know. A lot of these teams are really good. So it's going to be fun. Get all your TVs. Have a good time because this is certainly going to be a wild next week. I don't know weeks. what I'm excited for, Brandon. What's that? All of the TikToks and stuff of the players that go to the like to the tournament and they're like, here's what I get as a player who's playing in the tournament. It's oh, like, yeah. They get like Nike a tech suitcase. shoes, a suitcase, <laughs> like a Nintendo Switch or something like that. Like, <laughs> just a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, that's going to be funny. I am looking forward to seeing... Um, especially the amount of TV viewership that comes from this year's tournament. Cause I think we can I all agree jump up. this year's tournament looks so wide open compared to some of the years past ones. Like, I mean, a couple years back, it was like, yeah, were you picking Baylor Gonzaga? Like those are the two teams uh, that you could pick. And then like last year was a little bit more up for grabs. And then cool. obviously North Carolina made it. How about North Carolina though? Preseason number one. Oh yeah. Not, not even, even in the tournament. The climb the NIT. And crazy. NIT. Also Michigan sad face, but yeah, it's tough okay. looks for them. But They're going to win the NIT though. I was going to say, this is the first time that I don't think I've like, I'm very sold on a number one because Bama's lost to a few teams. Uh, they lost to Tennessee. They, I don't know, think like two or three others. Houston's lost to a couple. They've even lost to one of like their lower seed or lower guys in their uh, conference too as well. And then, I mean, you got Kansas who's been pretty solid so far. And then Purdue lost to what? Rutgers, Indiana. And mm-hmm. whoa, what was the other one? They lost to three people in the big 10. Uh, uh, Purdue lost to, I know it was Indy. They also Indiana twice. Uh, and then they lost to, it was Rutgers or Maryland. I want to say that beat them. I want to say like that yeah, it was Maryland. They lost is, to Maryland. This is one of the first years where you don't have a number one who's coming in with like maybe one loss or something like yeah. that, where it's going to be, you know, it could be either way. You might have to coin flip everything this year. Yeah, who knows? That, that is that is the proven way to choose the best bracket is just coin flip instead of just... I have done that state. before, and that is accurate. I had a better bracket this past year. I'm trying a new method here, too. Uh, shout out Dan Hardest, who's also on the show. Uh, we're trying this method of um, you actually precede, like you have one through 16 in each quadrant, all four quadrants. Pick just a number. We did this like literally a couple days ago before the selection show came out. So we have random brackets with just numbers. So it's like two versus the seven, seven wins, seven against the four, the four. And that's how we're going to, we did the bracket, one of our brackets. So we're going to see if that one's better than a coin flip and that. So, Hey, science is fun. So you never know what you can get here and try to get an up on March madness, go win a million bucks. Well, you know, that's kind of hard, but you can try. I mean, you can, you could try. You probably won't get it, but you can. Probably can. Hey, it's all about the, it's all about the groups. You got to beat the groups. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I know me and Joe are in the Ferris athletics interns group. So that one's going to be heated. Um, we'll see who wins that one. Uh, probably not me, but we'll give her we'll our see best regardless. shot. We'll see. Yeah. It's always like the one that you care about the most, you're going to do the worst about like yeah, and the bracket don't, and in the group like, and the one, one that you just make where you just like make it in two minutes and you just get, and then like, that one wins that and one's like, in like the top, like 99th percentile. And you're like just that. like, what the heck? Yeah, what is this? Yeah. Do you make all 25 on ESPN? Like, you know how you can get 25? Do you, I, make, do not. I usually try to get close to it because you never know. But like, usually by the time I get through like a good five or 10, I just do random, like scientific ways. Like, you know, the coin flip or, uh, or, or something different of that nature, like a pencil sticking in the ceiling or whatever. I always just do those ones. And those ones usually either hit or they miss. So, but anyway, have fun with March madness. Thanks for listening to this episode. Don't forget to subscribe at the MBSP. And until next time. Take care, everybody.